All right. We are back. Name is Corey Hepler for the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast. I'm here joined with Jared Gifford again. Jared, how the hell are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. It's always good to be here. You know, I actually really love having you on the show because you give a lot of insight to comics and other entertainment avenues that a whole lot of people don't get otherwise because you've got a wealth of knowledge in that cranium of yours that just blows my mind. Oh, well, you know, i got to put it somewhere. You know, it's not like I write stories for a living or anything. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're a comic writer or anything like that. It's not like you got... You know, a number four coming out soon, like, you know, I mean, it's not like you've been doing this for a while. No, no, no. <laughs> So, one thing I'd like to touch on, because I feel it's important, and I know that you feel it's important, because we touched on this a while ago. You know, there are many, many creators out there that come out with huge projects mm-hmm. that everybody loves. And then while they're while you're sifting through the amazing projects that they come out with from like DC, Dark Horse, Image, you know, Marvel, whatever, they've got these underlining projects that maybe not get the spotlight as much as the other ones. They're more obscure stuff. Exactly. And so I want to get your take on some creations and some comics that not necessarily didn't get a whole lot of light, but needed it. Oh, yeah. Well, and there's plenty of people that, uh, you know, don't even know because there was certain projects that uh, certain even classic creators had to take because they need the money. And, uh, I mean, because, interestingly enough, and, you know, a lot of people are like, how oh, dare you say this? But, no, this was the truth. He just They needed the money and they needed to do this. Uh, it, it does remind me there uh, there's a story I know about... Uh, um, like uh, like Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster, the guys who created Superman. Yeah. Um, one of the things that they had to do in order to make make up some extra money because um, you know uh, there there especially back when you had the whole work for hire thing when you weren't doing your main title stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, you basically weren't getting any money. Um, this is true. So uh, you know because you just know they didn't dish out royalties back then. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing. And uh, one of the things they actually ended up having to do was they actually had to go and, and do, like, porno ads. As, as, as sad as it is, back. oh my gosh. The creators of Superman did porno ads? No, yes. but, but it's yeah. a thing, because yeah. back then, you know, your comic creation, it could only carry you so far. Well, not only that, it's just that, because... Uh, because, you know, when you would do the work for hire bit, while you were working at places like DC and then eventually Marvel, was that was that while you were working there on their titles, yeah, you were getting paid pretty good and, 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 and the whole thing is you were fine. But once those gigs were done, once you were done, you didn't have anything because you, you certainly weren't getting any royalty checks. Exactly. So you had to find a way to supplement your income. And, yeah, there would be a plenty of people. And a lot of people you know, think it's shameful, but this is the truth. And you do what you have to to survive. And that's that. Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster, yeah, they would do, like, little porno ads. And, 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 and yeah, and it would feature characters, you know, that were similar to Superman and blah, 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 blah. But the whole thing is is that, you know, they needed the money, so they did it. Because they had families to feed. And people can go ahead and be as judgmental as they want about that, but you know what? I have more respect for the guy that that 
that does what he can to feed his family, um, you know, um, or, or the woman who does what she can to feed her family, um, you know, I have more respect for that than I do the, than I do the person who sticks their nose up at people for every little thing. And while we're on that subject, there's a lot of people that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of families out there, those are single mothers, single dads, who have to get these obscure two and three jobs just to make sure that their family stays intact. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people might turn their nose up the fact that maybe they work at a convenience store. Maybe they work at Target or Walmart. Or maybe they work at one of these places that maybe isn't bringing a whole lot of money. Well, in, maybe but you know what? It's making them survive. Well, and then in typical examples, and then a lot of people always look down their noses at certain things like this. It's like when it's like when um, it, it, it's like it's like when uh, a, a person has to become a stripper. Yeah. The you know um the, the you know uh, the or person, like a hooker. You know, yeah yeah a, a hooker a stripper and then those whole things like they're not taking into account the whole situation. Now granted, now. Not that I'm sitting here endorsing stripping and 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 no, we're not hooking or that. anything, but uh, but and, uh, but what it comes down to is that is that when I'll admit when I was a lot younger, when I was a lot younger, I used to be one of those people. I used to be one of the people who's like, oh, that's that's awful, and how could you do that? You must be the worst kind of person if you do that. Yeah. But but as I got older, as I got older, I really started to just kind of take a look, and then, and I and I seen that sometimes when you're in um, a bad situation, and you can't get the regular jobs, the whole thing is, is they're just not out there, and it happens. Sometimes, sometimes the job market is very scarce, and uh, and and they've already you know they're either already hired everybody they want, or no one's just hiring at all. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, um, so then you're forced to take the less than savory jobs. You know that this, this is when you got the people who have to go and do stripping for a living, who yeah, who have to become hookers. Yeah, or do like um, brothel type work. Yeah, yeah, the brothel type work, or or maybe uh, you know, or, or or maybe these are the people that have to do like the like the the, the con- stuff that's considered to be less than savory. As I said, um, the whole thing is is yeah, he said I used to judge them, but nowadays nowadays I take a look at I take a look at this it's like what what is their situation because if they're taking this on because maybe they've got a family to feed then I, then I've actually then I'm actually then I'm actually less up to basically say oh you're a horrible person because no obviously they're doing they're doing that because they have no other way to support their family exactly and and you know and a lot of people are like oh there's plenty of other ways well sometimes sometimes no. Sometimes that's the only thing you're left with, but that doesn't mean you have to stay there either. Well, well yeah, because yeah. I mean there have been plenty of people. Uh, I I had actually watched a um a documentary uh, about a year ago, and it was about um, former porn stars who um who had actually um who had actually left the industry and um and, you know and did fairly well for themselves afterwards. But then some of the people actually even said that they said that. Uh, um, sometimes they just get into the porn industry because, interestingly enough, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, you get into that industry, and once again, I'm not endorsing this. CMI does not endorse doing pornos, you know, unless 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 you do that kind of thing, and, and there's no judgment. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but the thing is, is that um, but the thing is, is that uh, they'd, they'd be actors, and then they would go, they would they would go in. They'd do like two, three pornos, um, end up actually getting a ton of money, 
and then they'd leave the industry. Sylvester Stallone is a big one. Yeah. Because he was the Italian stallion for a while, hard on his luck, with just like barely any money in his pocket. He started in that industry, and then mm-hmm. l- as luck would have it, someone picked him up, and now look at him. He's doing yeah. big name well, he, movies. He, he, he ended up having two advantages on his side. Um, one was the fact that he was he was actually he was actually starting to study acting, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 he was uh, and he was getting into that. Plus, plus, you know, and a lot of people don't know this about him. And this is where I want to give him full credit right now and let people know the guy's a great writer. He really is. I yeah, mean, yeah. look at the stuff that he's written. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people don't know this, but yeah, like all the Rocky movies, he wrote every single one of those. Mm-hmm. Um. The uh, you know uh, the the um, uh, the uh, Rambo movies, um, all of them. He's had a hand in writing. Yeah. Um, he's uh, he he wrote all the Expendables movies. Um, he's he's written a ton of stuff. The whole thing is, is he doesn't get a lot, a lot of credit that way. I mean, a lot of people just know him as like the action actor. Yeah. You know, but they don't. Yeah, they don't. But they don't take a look at the fact that no, he's 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 got so many hats these days now. He's not only an actor. He's he's a writer. He's a director. He's a producer. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that just goes to show you that in a way you shouldn't be judging. Who has to do what job? Because you don't know their situation. Exactly. The whole point is, is that don't don't assume you know a situation until you've actually found out about it. Exactly. And uh, now it's one thing, like let, you know, let's 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 you know, I'll, I'll play devil devil's advocate here. Okay. Let's say a person's gone into the porno industry simply because they're they're a weirdo, sick and depraved person. Well, the whole point is, is that they're gonna they're gonna get. What's going to happen is that, because, uh, you know, especially the people that get involved in uh, pornos for, like, a long, long, long time. Yeah. Eventually, that lifestyle is going to catch up to them. Mm-hmm. And eventually, they're not going to be able to perform anymore. Mm-hmm. And eventually, they're going to get to the point where where there's there's really no use for them. And, and even the porno industry is just going to cast them aside. Yeah. Be like, well, you can't, it's like... We we came in. You came in here to do one job. You can't do the one job anymore. Yeah, we've got no use for you. Exactly. <laughs> um, so 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 interesting enough. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Never judge a person's situation until you actually know what that situation's about. Exactly. And I would want to segue from this topic because. Oh, well, we kind of went off the rails, but uh, but I definitely want to go back to what we were talking about before is maybe some of the more obscure creations of of writers and artists that we that we know um, because I because I know that you are wanting to uh, yeah. touch on a few of them. Do you want to talk first, or do you want me to? Um, you go first, and then I'll segue into mine later. Okay. Um, one person that has created. A universe all their own that has comic books that just he he doesn't get enough credit and it really just kind of irritates me because you look at what the guy has done mm-hmm. and then you look at some of the more obscure stuff that necessarily doesn't get a whole lot of credit yeah and you're just like okay why aren't more people buying this because this is freaking awesome oh I think I, th- I think I know where you're going 
I know you know you might know who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about Rick Remender. Oh yes. Now, when you had given me mm-hmm. Tokyo Ghost, mm-hmm. the first couple of issues, I was like, "Who the fuck is Rick Remender, and why do I give a shit?" <laughs> and then I read it, and I was like, "Holy cow! This guy is not only an amazing writer; he's got really great." Out of the world ideas. Oh yeah, uh, this was saying that. So you you find that is and what's funny is I had discovered um, Rick Remender. Um, interestingly enough, not through his independent stuff. I found that out about that later. Um, I had discovered him because um, he had actually done a run on um, uh, on a title that they were doing over Marvel called The Uncanny Avengers. Yeah, and. For those that don't know, the Uncanny Avengers, what the whole idea was, was that it was sort of a combination of the Uncanny X-Men with the Avengers. So basically you had you had half the team that were Avengers, and then the other half of the team that were X-Men. And that just sounds like yeah. an amazing mashup, because I don't know what's, what's better. Having the Uncanny X-Men, or having the Avengers... And then saying, hey, you know what? Let's make some magic. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. So it makes, I mean, uh, this one, uh, you know, um, like all Avengers teams, uh, well, maybe not all of them, but for the vast majority of the Avengers teams, you had Captain America, who was, like, you know, the guy who was in charge. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but then they had really cool members in there, like like uh, like Wolverine was a member. Mm-hmm. Um Scarlet Witch. Um, Scarlet Witch is one of my favorites, by the way. I don't mean to like Rogue. Yeah, yeah Rogue was in there. Yes. Um, they had um, um, they had Havoc. Havoc um, was awesome. Yeah, um, they had um, Wasp, um, and 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 I think they've actually even gone through several other iterations as well. Because interesting enough, I think at one point they had Sabretooth as a member. Yep, they did. Yeah, actually. Um, but either way, the cool thing is, is what it is, is basically it's, 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 a, it's a meshing of Avengers with X-Men. This is like something that, like, as a kid, I would have, like, flipped out about. Because, hilariously enough, if you remember when we were kids, <laughs> they very rarely ever combined, like, Avengers and X-Men. The whole thing was, it was almost like they were kind of entirely separate from another. Yeah. I mean, there was only, like, maybe one story arc that I remember, and I can't... For the life of me, I, I'm, I'm blanking on it. I'm you, blanking on you, it, but you're good. But, uh, but I have it in, in trade form, believe it or not. But the, it, they, they did have in the early '90s. It was during when, um, when Jim Lee was doing X Men. Yeah. Um. Anyway, they did do a X Men Avengers crossover, and uh, in this one, uh, what had happened was this deals with like, um. For those that, and, and hey, this, I guess this is an over thirty year spoiler, but uh, <laughs> um, not like it's gonna spoil anything. Well, maybe not thirty, but but, but close to it. But anyway, uh, like early nineties spoiler. But anyway, uh, what happened was uh, in 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 uh, one of the big story arcs that Jim Jim Lee did with Chris Claremont, there was uh, they had that whole asteroid M sort of story arc. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, um, and that was a pretty cool one. Um, anyway, um, 
what had happened was in the aftermath of that, because um, it, it also had to do with the, the, the country of Geneva and, and how a lot of the mutants were taken there and made slaves and whatnot. Yeah. Um, anyway, what happened was, what I love in this, this Avengers X-Men crossover was they actually addressed that. They're like, why weren't the Avengers there? Well, what happened was, is you find out that the Avengers are talking with Nick, Nick Fury, uh, Captain America especially, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and basically what, what had happened was that they had been ordered, they had actually been ordered by the government to not interfere because, be, uh, uh, you know, because they didn't want to create what was considered an international incident. Um, and then pretty much by this time, the Avengers team is just basically saying, this is bullshit. We, we have to help these people. I don't care if they're mutants or not. And I don't care if, uh, you know, and, and, and I don't care if it does create an international incident. We can't just sit back and do nothing to people who need help. In fact, um, during yeah. that time, yeah. Nick Fury yeah. had gotten like over the top pissed off about it. Well, uh, well, most of them were, but uh, well, well, who, who was mainly pissed off about it at the time was Captain America. True. And, uh, and anyway, well, what, Captain America had talked yeah. quite frequently with Nick Fury about, dude, well, this wanted, is unjust, it's not cool, well, it's I wanted, not right. Nick Fury didn't like it, but he kind of had to go along with it. Because exactly. remember, Nick Fury was in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh-huh. and they were in charge of, like, you know, international security. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, but but long story short, um, what what eventually ends up happening is the Avengers basically um, they're not sanctioned, they're not sanctioned to basically go out and help the mutants. So what they do is they basically just kind of break their way out of the Shield headquarters, and then they kind of just kind of, in a way, they go and help out the X Men in you know, but they're but they're unsanctioned. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like they're helping the X Men out, but 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 it's supposed to be not on the books and it's not official. So it's um, an inadvertentism. Yeah. But either way, yeah, the Avengers go out and they help them out, and, and eventually they they go uh, go over to uh, to uh, Genosha mm-hmm. with them. I think I said Geneva before, but uh, I, I Genosha, apologize. You're good. Uh, I apologize to all the X Men fans out there who are probably wanting to murder me right now. Because it is, it is Genosha. Uh, sorry, you're I forgot good. that yeah. it's Genosha, but uh, you're fine. Anyway, um, but yeah, they, they go there. They help. They help out. They help out the X Men, and they take. They basically take care of the mess that was started because of the fact that they. That 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 they didn't help out the first time, and and in fact, you actually have a really cool scene um, near the end of the near the end of the story arc where basically Captain America is talking with Professor X, yeah, and and they're going over those, and they're actually going over that, um, and, and you know, and like I said, it was kind of a cool thing, and I wish they'd actually done more stories like that, especially in the early days. But what I what I'm saying is, segueing back into nowadays, I'm glad they actually got more. Avengers slash X Men crossover stuff, just because of the fact that this this was stuff that as a kid I would have just thought was just awesome. Yeah, you know the Avengers and the X Men, and uh, and uh, you know now that now that uh, now that Marvel Studios has got the rights back to the X Men movies and, and the Fantastic God. Four movies, now now I hope that in the comic books they start emphasizing the X Men like they did in the nineties. They could always get. To Disney. Well, they're actually owned by Disney. I know. <laughs> I was just being kind of a facetious ass. Uh, 
Uh, well, they're both uh, owned by big conglomerates. The whole thing True. is like that, you know. Uh, most people, well, at least the people who care, um, most people know that Marvel's owned by Mar- Marvel is owned by uh, Disney, and that. Uh, He's DC owned, is owned by, owned Warner, by Brothers. Wide Warner Brothers. Yeah. yeah, two of the big conglomerates out there. I mean, it's like a, the only thing is Disney and Warner Brothers are going to be eternal competitors until the end of time. Which brings out a really interesting point that I wanted to, to bring up because I know that you were actually kind of irritated at it when it happened, but yeah. it was kind of like you. I mean, they were going to do it anyway because it's just like <laughs> why the why the hell not. Yeah, what was it? You remember back in the day, the crossovers between uh, Marvel and DC? They did them yeah. all the fucking time. It was in the it was oh, in yeah, the it was in the late eighties, early nineties that they had started that. One out. of my favorites, one of my favorites from that era, and I just wanted to bring that up, was they had a Teen Titans X Men crossover. Yes. That was really awesome, and in that storyline, I love it because they actually it was it was Dark Side was trying to harness the power of the Phoenix. Yeah. And it was an amazing run. It was yeah. like it was really awesome. Yeah. And one one thing, and this might be a tiny gripe, and I don't like to complain a whole lot, but this yeah. is one thing that just got under my skin, and just like t- to this day, it irritates the shit out of me. Yeah. And I will never understand why. Is do you remember? It was a good twenty five thirty issue run that mm-hmm. Marvel and DC had done together called Bloodlines. Oh yes, um, and in fact, hilariously enough, because it was because um, it was talked about, um, interesting enough to segue into something and, and it's history that I think you and I are both familiar with. Yeah, was that at the time they were doing Bloodlines? Interesting enough, there was a reason they called it that. Mm-hmm. Was because and a lot of people don't know, but what happened was this was around the time when Image had hit. This was around the time when, when the, the the seven big creators, you know, you got guys like Rob uh, Rob, Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, um, you know, Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, uh, you know, um, uh, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, uh, Will Spatasio, all yeah. of them. They they came together. They formed Image, <clears throat> and then um, and and then what happened was the the you know the sales spoke for themselves. The whole thing is like it was like people were buying millions and millions of new image titles. Anyway, what happened was Marvel and DC took notice. Mm-hmm. They, they you know they were like uh, they were like, oh shit. Now we're <laughs> gonna have to now we're gonna have to compete. Now oh, we have crap. fucking competition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like we got competition. It's like and then but then they actually they started coming out with characters that looked a lot like image characters, even though hilariously enough the image characters were supposed to look like Marvel exactly. characters. Uh, it was kind of this whole thing. Um, anyway, yeah, that's when you got that '90s look. Um, and then, and then another thing that they were doing was they were doing um, story arcs or even new comic books that had similar titles to what Image was doing. And basically, that Bloodline storyline that I love that you bring it up, mm-hmm. Bloodlines was basically Marvel taking a stab at Rob Liefeld for Young Blood. Exactly. And what's interesting is. Rob Liefeld's run of Youngblood was amazing. Oh yeah, it was really, really and, good. And, and yeah, and you know, and here's what, I'm going to say this right here, right now. The haters can suck it on Rob Liefeld. Okay, <laughs> the haters can suck it because you heard, I don't you give heard a crap. it here. You can you suck can, it. You can sit here and talk anatomy with me all day, but here's the whole thing. First off, here's the thing I can say about Rob Liefeld's artwork is the fact that you know what? Yeah, you know what? 
The, the guy may not have been able to draw feet, and, and things may not have been uh, anatomically correct. But here's what I said: his stuff popped off the page. Okay, exactly. Can you can you can you can you can you point? Uh, you know, really, how many how many people can you point at and basically say that pops off the page? Not a whole lot. You can get somebody say, oh, that's some pretty decent artwork." But uh, but not a whole lot of people can you say that pops off the page. And his artwork popped off the page. And uh, and then those things. And, and then and then plus you know the whole thing is, is was always exciting. I don't give a crap what anybody says. Any Rob any anything that Rob Liefeld did was usually always exciting. Exactly. Um, and but anyway, uh, but yeah. So uh, so yeah, he was doing that excellent run on Young Blood. And, uh, and and that's what I'm saying. And then obviously DC and Marvel took notice, and they decided, "Hey, we're going to do Bloodlines." Yeah, you know. Uh, and and then you know, for those who were paying attention, they're like, "Oh, you're 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 trying to you're tra- you're trying to take a stab at Rob, aren't you?" <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, but but it's, but they were doing that with everybody. They were doing that with everybody. They really were. It wasn't just Rob that they were stabbing yeah. at because yeah. they had plenty of other um, not so very noticeable indie um, producers at the time, but they were still. Well, think think on this. Think on this, and this was also um, convenient timing. Yeah. Think on this. Um, Todd McFarlane comes out with Spawn. Oh Jesus! Todd McFarlane. Yes. Comes out. Yeah. And he was, I love Spawn. this. I love this story. Like, yes. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, and then, just a few months later, uh, Marvel decides, "Oh hey, we're bringing back Ghost Rider." Yeah, because that's not the same fucking thing. Well. I mean, they're both was, bounty hunters for the devil, for Christ's sake. Yeah, come well, on. Well, and then not only that, not only that, but the, but the whole thing is, is yeah, they're the, like the dark, they're like the, they're like the dark, creepy characters. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So so you know that that was convenient timing, and that you know it's like uh, it's like it's like every, every like 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 every wish. New thing they were coming out with under sun, especially in the early nineties. You knew that it was them taking stabs at the image creators because they had left and formed their own company. You look yeah. at Spawn, yeah, and you look at his outfit. Uh huh. What does he have on? Yeah. And then you look at Ghost Rider, and you're just like, really assholes. Well, not just really. And personality wise, too. Yeah. Almost the exact same character. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. I mean, no had, originality. No, well, not just not just that because I mean they had had Ghost Rider before, but here's the thing: is what I'm talking about. Is the but he wasn't timing. But he wasn't like shaped in one, the form one, like Spawn. Well, no, well, no, and that's what I'm saying. What, what I'm getting at is that they did a, a modern take on that because what happened was, for those that don't know, there've actually been three Ghost Riders. Yes, um, there was Johnny Blaze who. Was horribly portrayed by Nicolas Cage in the movie, um, but it's actually one of my most yeah. favorite Ghost Riders. But but yeah, he he was the one who was he was Ghost Rider throughout the seventies and early eighties. Yeah. Then they shelved the character for a good long while. Then Spawn comes out, and then they decide, hey, we're bringing back Ghost Rider. And then when they bring back Ghost Rider, then they actually change it. But they change it to the Ghost Rider this time is a guy named Danny Ketch. Yeah, and he's actually he actually drives a different kind of motorcycle, one of those more sort of streamlined Japanese things that you saw in the early nineties. Yeah, um, and then he was, and interestingly enough, what's so funny is a lot of people don't know this because they they actually use this in the movie, but 
You know, Johnny Blaze didn't actually have the penance stare. Nope. Penance stare was not Johnny Blaze's. Actually, the penance stare was Danny Ketch. Danny Ketch was the one who who did the penance stare. And his was the one, yeah, that basically, he made you live with all your sins. Yeah, Johnny Blaze didn't have that. No, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't introduced until Danny Ketch. Um, but, once again, you know... Because Spawn had powers and stuff, and like, but yeah, but once again, but you know that. This is just like, rolling my eyes because I know it's true. But <laughs> and, and, and this is no disrespect to the people whatsoever. Because for those, to be clear, for those who are listening, I loved Ghost Rider and all the iterations and all the stuff that they did. Yeah, because Ghost Rider's badass. Exactly, and, and the same thing with Spawn. Love Spawn. Love all the iterations of Spawn. But I also know what was going on at the time. <laughs> and I clearly know that that was Marvel basically saying, We need a spawn! Where's the vault? Get we... the vault! Get the fucking key! <laughs> we need to get some competition shit right here. Yeah. You're just like... You just sent that like, Why? <laughs> You're one of the biggest comic creators out there right now. What are you doing? Well, but, here, but, but that was why it was so so important when the image guy started, because here's the whole thing. They were the biggest draw in Marvel, and Marvel knew it. Exactly. I mean, you know, and, and I'm just going to take a That's what bit scared them the most. Yeah, exactly, because here's the thing is, a lot of people don't know this, but the, the, but the thing is, is that those seven guys that I mentioned earlier, yeah. all the guys who started image, they were doing at least 44 out of the top 50 titles that were coming out of Marvel during the late 80s and early 90s. Uh-huh. Um, they, 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 yeah, so they, they, there was a reason why they were a big deal. And when they left, here's the whole thing, and a lot of people probably deny it up the hill these days, but it's the truth. You go back and you look at the numbers back then. Marvel actually took a big hit when the image guys left. They actually projected, they actually lost not just thousands of dollars, they lost millions of dollars just from those seven up and going by. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, well, think about this. Think about this, and this is to show you that these guys knew how to make a good book and knew how to sell it. Yeah. Todd McFarlane, Todd McFarlane first set the bar with Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man, he ends up making them sell two million copies. Spider-Man hadn't sold that many copies since ever. <laughs> not even, not even during the Stan Lee, Steve Ditko run, did See, it do that. And and, and, and that's no, yeah, that's and no that's disrespect the, to them because they were great at Spider Man. They were, they were, but, but, but I'm just trying to give people a good idea. So for all those people who are probably wanting to kill me right now, once again, probably for the second or third time in this podcast, here's <laughs> the whole thing. Here's the whole thing. I love all the creators who have done Spider-Man over the years. I'm just talking pure statistics here. Yeah. And and in pure statistics, Todd McFarlane set the bar. He he was selling Spider-Man in the millions, and Spider-Man had never been sold in the millions. Nope. And uh, and then um, yeah. sold in the thousands. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's obviously. It, it, yeah, but 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 it never two million. Nope. He was the one who first set the bar. He was the one who was their million seller guy. Mm -hmm. Um And then. And then, just just a short time after that, then Rob Liefeld sets another bar with with X Force number one, and uh, with X Force number one, that sold five million copies. Exactly. Five and that million. was out the door. Yeah, and that wasn't wasn't even a that wasn't even the regular X Men title. Nope. 
Um, that, that that was that was a side title. That mm-hmm. that, that X Force had had been birthed out of New Mutants. Exactly. Um, and, and in fact, that's what started, and then it just became X Force later. But then, but then, Jim Lee tops them all. Shortly after that, Jim Lee tops them all. X Men number one in you know early nineties. X Men number one hits, and no one's been able to hit this number since. Eight million copies, and that was just that very first issue. Yes, we're not talking about all the subsequent ones that he's done that has made more than that throughout the years. We're talking about the very first copy, the very first yeah. issue that he did. Well, and, and that was a milestone in comics, because the whole thing is... is no that, comic had done that before. No comic has done it since. Exactly. <laughs> like, the precipice that yeah. Jim Lee <laughs> had set is still there. And for yeah. any comic to even get slightly close to that yeah. is a blessing. Well, exactly. And especially <laughs> nowadays, you're lucky... If you can get, I mean, here's the whole thing. You're lucky if you can get. You're lucky if you can get a title selling about a hundred thousand copies these days. Exactly. Um, which is yeah, eight million is like unfathomable these days. I'm gonna say, I said it's a, it's a bar that was set so high and has never been broken. And but either way, the whole point is, is that yeah, that that's how big a deal these guys were. They were selling books in the millions, and and they were they were rock stars. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, it's an exaggeration, but no, they were. They were, the, the thing is, they would have people lining up around the block just to get their autograph. Yeah. I mean, these people were like the rock stars of the comic world. I mean, people were wanting, like, signed copies of their stuff so they could, like, punt their college education for the kids. It it didn't work out that way. I mean, you know, because, you know, speculator market. But, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, but, it, but it shows you. What it does at least show you. Was how popular they were, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and 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 what the impact that they made. Anyway, yeah, they leave. Um, Marvel stock takes a huge plunge, um, and it wasn't just a couple of points yeah, either. Yeah, it was like, yeah, a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they and and then what happened was is that yeah, then basically that's why they decided like we got to do all this gimmicky stuff. We got to compete with them because like Image comes out, so we're coming out with the Rooks. They kind of come out with like you know Rob Liefeld as Youngblood. Uh, Tom McFarlane does Spawn. Jim Lee does Wildcats. Um, Eric Larson does Savage Dragon. Mm-hmm. Jim Valentino does Shadowhawk. You know, I mean, like, uh, you know, Mark Silvestri does Cyber Force. Yeah, and it's um, almost like Marvel hmm. looks at all of these great creations that are coming out that are making millions of dollars, yeah. and they all of a sudden freak out because they're mm-hmm. losing money. Yeah. They're losing... They're losing fans, which is a big thing, oh, and, yeah. they're, and they're also losing the interest of the fans, which was yeah, a big and that thing. Was, well, that was the thing. It's like Marvel and DC didn't think that anybody would really care that that all these guys had left, and they, and they thought that oh no no they 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 buy Marvel stuff because Marvel stuff you know yeah because they want Thor and they want Captain America and they want the X Men and that was know? so far from the fucking truth it wasn't yeah. even funny. No, no. What happened was, and this was one thing they found out, was during the 90s, and a lot of people started doing this, and I think that still is carried over nowadays, and I love this about some of the fans nowadays. I'll at least give this full compliment to fans nowadays. It's like, they don't follow a specific book. Nope. They follow a specific creator. 
that's one thing I absolutely adore about the yeah. fans now. Yeah. Because it's not about the book. It's not about the fact that it's an X-Men book. It's not the fact that it's a Deadpool book. It's not the fact that it's the Punisher. It's not the fact that it's the goddamn Ninja Turtles. It's the fact that who wrote it, who's on the title, who's making it, and yeah. this is a big thing. Exactly. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's the whole reason why I ended up reading Ragnarok. Yeah. I... I read it because it was Walter Simonson. And it's Walter fucking Simonson. Not just Walter Simonson. Walter fucking Simonson. Yeah. That name alone says, buy my book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you but, know? But, that, but that's the point I'm making with all these guys. And then, and then, and then we'll say, then Marvel has to do all this gimmicky stuff. And that's when they decided, hey, we got to make all our characters look like image characters. And we gotta, and we got to change your costumes to be expensive. Dream and uh, we gotta um and then we gotta you know and then and you know and then uh and then that's when they decided hey now we've got to have these events that are somehow a knockoff of what Image is doing already and as you notice and I noticed this too and I know you did too yeah. the knockoffs didn't do nearly as good as the originals that Rob Liefeld and the rest of the team of Image were doing because yeah. they were decent. Yeah. But they weren't decent enough. Well, here's the whole difference. There's a difference between Rob Liefeld doing something and then somebody trying to do Rob Liefeld. Exactly. That was that was the difference. Is that like it was like if you got you know, like, like if you got Rob Liefeld doing Young Blood. Yeah. We got Rob Liefeld doing Young Blood. You know, but then if you got somebody over at Marvel doing doing uh, doing say uh, you should like like maybe a crossover title for Bloodlines. Yeah. And. And they're trying to ape Rob Liefeld. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference between there's a difference between Rob Liefeld doing Rob Liefeld and and some other guy doing Rob Liefeld. It's and it goes back to the old adage, and I love this saying. I go back to this saying so many times because people come up to me and they say, "Hey, Corey, you do comics, right?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I do." And they're like, "Well, what if someone were to copycat you?" What if someone were to come out with something similar to Tax Cab Joe, but it wasn't Tax Cab Joe? And yeah. I just I just go up to him and I'm just like, well, it wouldn't last. Yeah. And they ask me why, and I'm like, because it's not original. It's because it's not Taxi Cab Joe. You said it's like Taxi Cab Joe, but here's the whole thing. People can only, um, here's the whole thing, it's like uh, eventually it's like, and I don't totally agree with this. Is that to a certain extent we're all thieves? Uh, oh, certain, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, to a certain extent we, we 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 hijack other things. But here's the whole thing: so we we make it our own in our own ways. Is that uh, yeah is if it's here's the difference between an idea that lasts and an idea that's just a flat out rip off of another person's idea. And I love that you yeah. bring this up. Yeah, yeah. Um, like 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 I'll use my own comic as an example, like Darren. Thank you. Um, Darum is, you know, you can see influences there. I'll full on admit, the hugest influence of Darum is Captain Harlock. Captain Harlock was a, like a big thing of mine. Like I, I love the manga series. I, I watched the show for many, many years. It, it's it's awesome to me. Yeah. And and there's a and there's a huge influence on on Darum. But but here's the difference is that I know that Darum has to have his own story. Mm -hmm. Darum has to be his own person. Darum can't be cut and, Darum can't be cut and paste Captain Harlock. 
Darren can't become paste Buck Rogers. Yeah. You know, the whole thing is, is that, and, you know, and these are the influences, um, but the whole thing is, is that, um, is, is that Darren has to be his own character. He has to be his own person. And that's, and that's actually what sets him apart, is that Darren, what makes him a unique character is because he's based on my personality. Yeah. Darren's me. The whole thing is, like, you know, he's obviously a much more physically active, you know, muscle-bound bee. Spoiler alert! Because <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I can't do half that shit. I'd probably throw something out. <laughs> like, oh, fuck my back. <laughs> Someone else take over as captain. I gotta go get a massage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but personality-wise, he's me. And that's actually what makes him unique, is he's got my personality, and that's how I know his adventures are always going to be different. Yeah. Because that's me reacting to these situations. It's not... It's not necessarily just some random character reacting to it. Darum, Darum is basically the audience seeing through my eyes. And I actually had someone ask me this, and it was ignorant and it was irritating. Yeah. And they asked me, why did you decide to make Joe in Tax Cab Joe black? And I'm like, really? Does That's that the ma- fucking thing that you're hung up on is the fact that he's black and not white? And I was like, does it matter? Is is it really going to affect your enjoyment of a really good action story if the person's a different color? It's like, what? I can't relate to him because he has got the same skin tone as me. And they actually said this. And it actually, it it didn't really piss me off as more as it was kind of like, well, you're just an ignorant piece of shit for saying this. <laughs> Corey, you can't write about black people because you're not black. Oh, you know, yeah. Shit, you not. Well, and see, this actually does segue into an interesting topic. I don't know if we were actually going to cover this today, but I, I actually do want to segue into an interesting topic. No, by I all means. the fact that you, you bring this up. Because that irritated the shit out of me. Uh, I think it's good to have a nice open discussion about this, is that a lot of people talk about this, is that you shouldn't write about certain characters that you don't understand. And now, but here's the whole thing. You know... For that matter, if that's going to happen, my character's then going to have to be an all-male, all-white crew. You know, the, the you know, all the freaking time. No, and that's just not going to happen. You know, it's like a, it's like you know, and I'll full on, I'll full on admit this, and I'm going to say this right here on the podcast. And and listen, I know somebody's probably out there discovered this anyway, but here's the thing: these are supposed to be throwaway characters, so this is why I never changed it. Was that? Um, I noticed that with Darren number one, and this was not intentional, because when I write my characters, I write them Im- ambiguously. Yeah. I don't, I don't name specifics. I'll basically say, like, oh, you have this... I'll tell him you got a medium-build, tall guy with brown hair. I don't say what ethnicity he is. Um, I'll just basically say you have something like that, like a medium, like a medium build tall, uh, or like a medium build tall guy with brown hair. Yeah, and then, and and then, then basically I'll, the artist just yeah, yeah, the artist use imagination. Well, <laughs> somehow, I don't know how, but somehow I ended up in the very first issue of, with an all male, all white crew. Now, under any other circumstances, it was another story arc. I would have had them change that. But here's the whole thing. Most of the characters in that issue were supposed to die anyways. Yeah. So it's not like these were going to be reoccurring characters. But it's not necessarily something you were going yeah. for either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So spoiler alert for those who haven't read Darren number one. Um, but anyway, but the whole point is, is that, yeah, but that one, that one I didn't correct because the characters are supposed to die anyways. So it's almost but like, then, uh, but then you notice, serendipitous. But yeah, but then you notice, 
issue two and three. It's you've got a very diverse cast. You've got all sorts of aliens. You've got you've got you've got white people. You've got you've got black people. You've got Hispanic people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know um, you've you know all sorts of different races. Um, you've got you've got men and women working together. Yeah, you know. Um, and, 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 and that's the whole thing. And, and, uh, and so, uh, and, uh, and to me, it's just this. And I always, I always come back with this. I always come back with this whenever somebody tells me I can't write a certain character. It's like, well, that character's human, aren't they? Yeah. Can I write about people? Here's the whole thing. I don't give a crap who you are, and I don't judge you based on what your beliefs are, what your skin color is, what your gender is, whatever. I don't care. Only thing is, you treat me with respect. I'll treat you with respect. I've always been that way. Yeah, and and yeah. So I don't I don't care about what your background is. Um, and but at the end of the day, here's my understanding of it: is that if we're all human beings and we're all people, at the end of the day, we're gonna relate to human topics. Exactly. It's so not gonna the, matter the yeah. fucking skin tone or the ethnicity yeah. or how they talk or yeah. the tallness now, or the shortness now, of if them. You're, now, if you're talking about cultural stuff. Yeah. Now, now you're gonna to want to be careful about that because you want to get the culture right. Let's do your fucking research at least. Yeah. But if you're talking about subjects that are just human, human subjects, sub- subjects that we as human beings on this entire planet that uh, we all know about, no, I don't think you have to go sit there and be like, I can't write this character because they're a different ethnicity than me or a different uh, gender than me or they're a different uh, like religion than me or yeah. whatever. The whole thing is, is no, I'm not going to do that. The whole thing is like no. If it's dealing with human topics, I'm going to make the I'm going to make the character every which every which race and every which culture and every which gender under the sun. The whole thing is the whole thing is, is I'm dealing with human topics, topics that anybody should be able to relate to. Now, as I said, if it gets more cultural, now like say maybe I have something that uh, that deals with African African American culture. Yeah. If I if I'm doing that, yeah, I'm gonna want to do my research. I'm probably gonna want to um, get some advice from some from some really well known uh, well known people in the African American culture who would know about how to present these things. Because that's respect. Yeah. But once again, but that's only if it's cultural. Yeah. The whole thing is, is if it's just something that if it's if it's a universal concept, and my universal, I mean something anybody can relate to. Yeah. Then no, I, it doesn't matter who the character is, and and I love the fact that you brought up. Yeah, it's like with Taxi Cab Joe. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure you'll pull on it, Vic. I've seen this. Taxi Cab Joe is you. Yeah, I mean it is. Yeah, yeah you know, personality-wise, he's you. But, they, but you know, once again, but 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 you know, and, and a lot of people are like, but wait, wait, it's almost like they think you need to act a certain way if you're a certain ethnicity, and it's just like, well, even that, even that is kind of in a way. And I don't know if they even recognize it. And that way is a sort of racism in it itself because yeah. of the fact that you know, it's like you assume that every race has a certain way they act. And you want to know something really interesting, and I know I'm going to get nagged for this, Yeah, is the fact, the reason why a lot of people might not think that um, I should be able to write a black character mm-hmm. is because Joe doesn't... I know I'm going to say this, and I know this is... Just gonna make you seem just like wow, how dumb of that. I roll. He doesn't talk like a black guy. Oh wow! You know what's funny is, uh, and and he's a mutual friend of both of ours, and totally love this guy. Really awesome guy. If you don't know him, check out Antonio Johnson. 
got some really awesome stuff. But I remember you, 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 like, you and him, uh, like, well, he had had a conversation recently, and, and you and I had liked the conversation and, and, and everything. One of the things he had talked about was that uh, was he was saying that he found it funny that that people. Even him, because he said he talk. He actually talks really well and really educated. Uh-huh. And then people will will say, "But you don't talk like a black man." And it's like what? Or he's like, "What are we?" It's like it's what what? So so if somebody speaks in an educated way, that's not ethnic. I mean, well, they said that's that's stupid. He that's was, ignorant. He said that, and he said even yeah 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 because he was even saying that it's just like it's like okay so what so speaking in an educated way is not black enough? Yeah. Like I have to, I have to have this ghettoized speech yeah. for you to take me seriously as a black person. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. And uh, and and you know, and and if if you ever listen to this, uh, Antonio Johnson, if you ever listen to this, this is our shout out to you. We have total respect for you, and we love the fact that you brought that up. Exactly. The, the whole yeah, the whole thing is is no. Speaking in an educated manner is not an ethnic thing. It just means you study. Exactly. It means you pay attention enough and you do enough of your research to want to be taken seriously. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Race, ethnicity. If I talk with someone who's of an educated mind, Mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck where they came from. I'm talking to someone who decided that they wanted to be learned. Exactly. And that's great. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, so yeah, that's not an ethnic thing. Yeah. And and so, yeah. So if you want to know our personal opinion on it, the whole thing is, is no. And, you know, honestly, I'm not going to, like, it's like if you speak in an educated way, I'm not going to be a person who's basically, I'm not going to be the guy who's going to come to you and say, oh, well, you don't sound like that. Because here's the whole thing. All I'm going to say, I'll, I'll, the only thing I'll probably ever say is I'll probably just engage you in a full-on conversation and we'll, and we'll speak about cool intellectual subjects. That's the, that's the worst that's going to happen. Exactly. Now, we got to close up this podcast because um, we got to save some goodies for Saturday or the next podcast. Oh, no, but, the, but there is a few things I did want to touch on before we do sign off. Okay. Before we do sign off, because we didn't actually get to get to some of these. Uh, one is, I want to talk about, you know, the some of the Kickstarters we've been having. Yes. Uh, so far, we've been five for five. Um, all of them have been successfully funded. Um, I want to... Re- yes. Oh, awesome. Seriously. More to come, people. More good to come. Good shit. It's good shit. Yeah, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, like I said, more to come, more to come. And uh, anyway, I also want to let people know and remind them... That there's still a few days left in the Furious Kickstarter. I think there's five or six, something like that. Yeah, 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 at least four or five. Four yeah. or five days. Um, go and check out the Kickstarter. Please donate if you can. If you can't, share, like on social media. That helps just as much, guys. Yeah, yeah, oh, please, please. And then and then also, um, and, and then also uh, just to just tell your friends, tell your family if you think they'll like it. I mean, just... just just donate whatever you can. Yeah. If you can't, that's it. And share, like, and then tell, uh, and then ask other people to do it. Retweet. But, yeah. <laughs> if it's on Twitter, because yeah. I know I share that shit yeah. all the time. Exactly. But but yeah, just do that. And and the whole thing is is and and for an incentive for all you people who don't know it yet, if you haven't gotten the word, the uh, there's two big incentives to to go for some of these stretch tier goals that we have. 
uh, first one, once we hit 2,000, you will get an original Victor Santos print of Furious. Yep. Um, and, it, you know, um, so, uh, you know, for those who love Furious and are familiar with it, they know who this guy is. So, yeah, yeah exactly. you'll get a real Victor Santos print if you have us reach 2,000. Now, here's even better. If you can manage to help us get to 3,000, you know, and once again, as I said, sharing, liking, um, and talking with people, please get the word out. Yeah. Um, and donate if you can. And and the whole thing is, when you get to 3,000, 3,000, you will get an original uh, print from Michael Oming. Yep. And for uh, and for those who have no idea who uh, who who Michael Oming is, uh, his full name being Michael Avon Oming. Yeah. Um, he is also the co-creator of the Mice Templar, along with Brian Jail Glass, mm-hmm. the also the same creator of Furious, um, and. Uh, and and he also has done many many titles for many different studios, um, because this uh, you know because he also did Powers with Brian Michael Bendis. Yes, he did. Um, he's also done the original graphic novel Bulletproof Monk. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has done and and I love this personally, and this is puts a special place in my heart for him. He illustrated. The the Thor disassembled book. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, as part of the uh, event, if those don't know, no, there was a storyline called Avengers Disassembled back in the early two thousands. Yeah, and uh, and this was this was part of those stories, and it was sort of like another Thor Ragnarok story, but it was really awesome. And Michael Avon Oming did the art for it. It was just oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> like, um, anyway, other things. Uh, anyway, anyway, but, but yeah, if you guys will help, if you guys help out with this, if you guys help out with this. I said two thousand Victor Santos, you get an original print, and three thousand you'll get an original Michael Avon Oving print. I mean, with these kind of things, plus you get all the regular incentive goals for however much you donate. Mm-hmm. So this will be this will be on top of all the other cool stuff you're going to get with your pledge. Exactly. So, so please, like I said, if you're if you're hesitating, if you're not quite sure if you want to donate yet, this is your chance to do it. And I'm telling you all, it's totally worth it. Look up who these guys are, and then you'll find out why you're gonna want this. Why exactly. you're gonna want these prints? Why why these are things that you? Why you're like, oh, how have I gone without this? <laughs> But yeah, but but yeah, please, and it's totally worth it. And I want to thank everyone who's donated thus far, exactly, who's contributed and helped out. You know, it's because of you, all of you fans, that that we're able to do these things. And I once again want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, for helping us be able to do these cool things like this. You know, uh, so. So it's you know honestly you are the rock stars exactly. Anything else you can think of? Um, see, no, I, I think that pretty much covers uh, everything uh, we wanted to go on and even the business. Oh wait, hmm. wait, one last one last segue before before we head off, and I and I wanted to do this too because I had rediscovered this. I had rediscovered this thing, so I'm going to give them a. 
I'm going to give him a book recommendation. Okay. Uh, or at least a series uh, a, a series of books recommendation. How about it? Um, I had recently rediscovered... Like, as a young kid, I knew about it, but then I fell away for a little bit. What happened was uh, there there was a series... Uh, There's a really awesome comic book series called Usagi Ujimbo. Yeah. And for those that don't know or are unfamiliar with it... Um, Soggy Ujimbo is about a samurai, uh, uh, an anthropomorphic samurai rabbit, and is very much in the vein of old samurai movies. Basically, he travels to different villages, helping people out from from bandits and demons and uh, and all sorts of things because he's a wandering ronin. Yeah. And uh, and anyway, um, it's very much in the vein of like the uh, a lot of the old Akira Kurosawa films. Mm-hmm. Um. If you watch Yojimbo or Sanjiro, that's pretty much what you're getting with Usagi Yojimbo. Okay. The only difference is, is that, once again, he's an anthropomorphic rabbit. Um, but anyway, I know I highly recommend it. Awesome, fun series. And and he's actually had several crossovers with the Ninja Turtles. Yes, he has. Um, in comic form and in the cartoons. Mm-hmm. He was actually, and for those that want to look these up, he was actually in two episodes in the original 80s Ninja Turtles series. He also was in at least uh, four to five episodes of the 2003 series. Yes. Plus, they just barely did a four-episode arc, and, 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 and I need to check this out because I've been hearing really awesome buzz about this. Yeah. Um, he also just did a four-episode arc in the newer Ninja Turtles series that they have on Nickelodeon. Um, he, he did just did a story arc also featuring Usagi Ujimbo. Okay. And one well, the cool thing about this one, and I like it because what happened was is they flipped it. Um, usually what they do is they'll have a story where Usagi Ujimbo somehow ends up in the Turtles world. Oh, and he okay. has to end up helping the Turtles in one way or another in their world. Yeah. Um, uh, with, there was an occasional exception in the 2003 series because there was one episode where Leonardo ends up in Usagi's world. Yeah. Um, but it was only the one episode. The, this four-episode arc that they're having with the new Ninja Turtles series, um, sadly, is before they wrap up the series. Um, but uh, but what but the um, but the uh, story arc they're having is that the whole entire story arc is going to be based where the Ninja Turtles come into Usagi's world. It's this is an actual Usagi Ujimbo story. This is not Usagi okay. Ujimbo participating in a Ninja Turtle story. This is the Ninja Turtles participating in an Usagi Ujimbo story. This is going to be interesting. Well, in fact, the episodes and this is another cool thing were written by the creator of Usagi Ujimbo, Stan Sakai. Very interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely worth it. But, yeah, um, I wanted to spend the end of this uh, telling people about this one. So if you get the chance, um, you, can, you can buy they have, they have They have the trades all over the place. Uh, you, know, you just go, just go and buy, buy them. Look for Usagi Ujimbo. And it's, it's a really awesome series. And, you know, uh, it, it, and like I said, it's just if you, if you love things in the vein of old samurai movies. I'll even new samurai movies. Yeah. He just likes samurai movies in general. He just likes samurai just because you love uh, a good fucking samurai. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally suggest Usagi Ujimbo. And 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 that is my recommendation uh, and that is my recommendation before we wrap up this podcast. Okay. Check out um, Usagi Ujimbo. You won't regret it. Awesome samurai action comic. 
And as always, Jared, thank you for coming on the podcast. It is always an amazing pleasure to have you with us. Oh, it's always good to be here. And as always, be great to each other, love one another, lift someone up, give someone a hug, tell them you appreciate them, tell them that you enjoy having them in your life, tell them that they're awesome because there's nothing like it, nothing like someone telling you that they appreciate you being in their life. We love you guys. Have a wonderful night, and we will see you in the next podcast.